Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Saturday, October 9th, 2021. I will never forget my first high school basketball practice. And one detail in particular that stands out as particularly memorable about that first practice was that we did not touch a basketball at basketball practice. We ran. We did push-ups. We did kind of defensive posture drills and and shuffling our feet and, and sliding until we felt like we could do these things no more. And just when we thought we had run enough laps, the coach said, give me four more, right? This was our first practice. And really the coach, what he was doing in that first practice is he was training us for the fourth quarter of playoff games because he knew that one thing we would need really more than anything and somewhat more than some of the technical skills of the game of basketball, we would need endurance. Our our technical skills of shooting or whatever else may be wouldn't stand up under pressure if we were out of gas. And he was training us for endurance. Well, in the Christian life, we don't have a coach, but we have a father, a good father, a heavenly father. And he wants to train in us endurance. And we're going to see more of that today as we look at Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 17. It begins with a very famous passage of scripture. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And so there we see that call to endure. And there's so many great things in that passage about laying aside every weight and to be reminded, you know, runners, they don't run with their track suits and their sweats on, right? They get down uh, just to what they need to wear so they can run as fast as they possibly can. And some of those weights we're going to need to get rid of aren't necessarily sinful things, but they're things that slow us down. And then also there are sins that cling so closely. And that might be different for some of us. For some of you, there might be one sin or others of us, a different sin that clings so closely. And we need to set those aside so we can run with endurance the race that is set before us. So even today, as you think about endurance, are there unnecessary weights in your life? Is there sin that clings so closely to you and sin that you know about and to some extent sin that you're holding on to? that you need to let go. And it reminds us to consider just the those, and ultimately the example of Christ. Listen to verse three, consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. And then it goes on even to describe the discipline of the Lord, right? And the discipline of the Lord isn't pleasant in the moment. It's not fun. 
but it, it yields something good, right? That first basketball practice was not fun. We did not go home saying, man, I can't wait for the next practice. We were so sore for the next couple days that we were just trying to move, right? But it, it built something good in us. And that's where, again, God is not a, a coach blowing a whistle at us. He is our father and he, he loves us. And even all the discipline in our lives is because he cares about us. Let me read some of this passage to you. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom the father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. And I love what it goes on to describe, and it talks about our earthly fathers. And in verse 10, it says, for they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them, but God disciplines us for our good that we may share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it, right? That that discipline doesn't feel pleasant in the moment. And that's where uh, sometimes when trials come into our lives and God is refining us, or even we have sinned and we're dealing with some of the painful consequences of that sin, it's easy for us to get frustrated with that and say, well, why can't these consequences just be over? Or why can't this trial just be over? And we have to remember, no, it's not pleasant. But if we humble ourselves under it and learn what God is teaching us, It's going to yield something good in our lives. Do you have that level of trust in God? I don't know what you might be going through today, but is there anything in your life like the discipline of the Lord where God is working on you? Don't despise that. It might not be pleasant, but trust that God has your good in his heart as he is doing this. And it's going to yield a peaceful fruit of righteousness if you are trained by it. And I hope that encourages you. I hope it gives you the effect of verse 12, where it says, Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather healed. And so there we we see just that encouragement. Hey, keep, keep going. Stand strong. Keep running. And I hope that encourages you today. And just speaking of that encouragement, let's go back now to Psalm 118 as we look at verses 8 through 16 today. And just to be reminded that this God, even who is responsible for disciplining us, he is the God who is for us. And we can trust his discipline. Verses 8 and 9 in Psalm 118 say, It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. And then he describes the situation where he was surrounded. He felt surrounded, but God delivered him. God helped him. And so he cries out in verse 14, The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. Glad songs of salvation are in the tents of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. The right hand of the Lord exalts. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. And so if today you feel like you're in a situation where you feel surrounded, surrounded by circumstances, surrounded by problems in your life, just even surrounded by spiritual opposition, trust a God who is our salvation. Trust a God who can help us and deliver us even when we are surrounded. 
And when we're in those moments where we're surrounded, we need to cultivate a mindset that's not fearful and dreading everything that could possibly go wrong. We need to cultivate a mindset that's expectant. Hey, when I'm surrounded, that's when I'm going to really see God show up. And I can't wait to see how he does that this time. And we need to build that trust in him. And we need to lean on him through prayer. We need to be sensitive to the ways that he is trying to refine us and strengthen us and maybe show us some of those weights that need to be set aside or some of the sin that needs to be forsaken in our lives and trust that God will deliver us and that we will sing, the Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. Now, what great words there in Psalm 118. Well, today we finish up the gospel of Luke. Uh, Luke chapter 24, verses 36 through 52. And here we see Jesus now appear to the disciples. And when he does, they're afraid. And he says, why are you troubled? Why do doubts arise in your hearts? And he demonstrates to them just the reality of his resurrection, even that he had a real body they could touch and he ate food, right? He had a real body. And there's some interesting things we glean there that someday you If you are a Christian and Christ doesn't come back yet, when you die, when he does come back, you will be raised from the dead and you will have a new, real, perfect body that what we see here from Christ really is the prototype for. And then again, he explains his teaching, but he also reminds us of the mission that every Christian has and really the mission that we need to run with endurance to fulfill. And in verse 46, he says, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. Well, that is the mission that has been passed down to us. And I love how it's put there, repentance and forgiveness. You're not going to have one without the other. Repentance means to turn. That's the simplest way to put it. And that really is a condition of forgiveness. Our, our, our forgiveness and our salvation is not dependent on works and repentance is not a work. But to gain that forgiveness, we must turn from our sin and put our faith in Christ. That is the biblical response to the gospel. And we should be proclaiming this forgiveness that is available only in Christ, but amazingly freely through Christ, And making sure people understand and what God is calling us to do in response to this incredible offer is to repent, turn from our sins and put our faith in Christ. And so as we think about enduring, may we not just think about enduring in our own Christian lives, but also for the sake of this mission, because there's heavy consequences at stake right? Our coach in that first practice, he was training us for the fourth quarter of, you know, the district finals or the playoff game or whatever it might look like. And we need to be training ourselves because eternity is at stake. And we're going to see that even in Isaiah 65 and 66. And we see that as this book wraps up, even in the last few verses, we're reminded of where this is all headed. And it's heading to one of two realities. In verse 20. 2 of Isaiah 66. It says, For as the new heavens and the new earth that I make shall remain before me, says the Lord, so shall your offspring and your name remain. 
For new moon, from new moon to new moon and from Sabbath to Sabbath, all flesh shall come to worship before me, declares the Lord. Right? This picture of this new heavens and this new earth. And then it says, and they shall go out and look on the dead bodies of the men who have rebelled against me. For their worm shall not die, their fire shall not be quenched, and they shall be an abhorrence to all flesh. Right? There's these two destinies. Enjoying the new heavens and the new earth with our creator. Or this destiny where the fire is not quenched and the worm does not die. Right? Ultimately, the realities of heaven and hell. And this is what at stake. This is what's at stake. And so I hope that encourages us to press on in following Christ and also to press on in proclaiming this repentance and forgiveness that the world needs to hear. And as we continue in these missions, I pray that we will have endurance. Thanks for digging into God's word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.